Good morning. Whether you're joining us as a longtime part of our church family or this is your first time joining with us, welcome to Azure Hills Church Service live and online. We hope that this will be a service in which you will experience the great grace of Jesus Christ and the love for one another that we have in him. Let's begin by praying and talking with him, shall we? Let's bow our heads. Gracious Father, we thank you that we can gather here from wherever we are. Whatever place we're in, we are united in you, and we celebrate that this morning. We now ask for the Holy Spirit to come and speak to each and every heart. May we be renewed, refreshed, and blessed by this service. And may all who participate be granted the unction of your Holy Spirit so that we may hear God teach us in our own hearts. It's for Jesus' sake and his glory that we pray. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Azure Hills. We're so glad that you are here and joining us as a part of this worship service and just want to invite you to take a moment to introduce yourself in the chat, to say hello from wherever you're tuning in from. We are glad that we get to worship together. You know, in the Psalms, about half of the Psalms are lament and half the Psalms are praise, roughly about 40% lament. But I'm wondering if in the chat today, if you could grace our worship with representing both, could you share a, a psalm, a praise today, a song of praise? Could you also share a lament, something from this week that's a lament, something that's a praise? Just take a moment to be able to share that in the chat. We also invite you to grab your phone and FaceTime or call or text someone, greet families that you might normally have sitting around you. Oh, good. We have so many joining us here. Welcome, welcome. If it's your first time or if you're regularly a part of this church, we're so glad that you are here together and online. We've got people joining in from all over. Good morning, Ravinia's family. We're glad to be able to see you. Just take a moment to be able to greet one another and to share a praise and a lament today, something from this week. There's a few things we really want to let you know. Actually, quite a few. So I'm going to go ahead and share those with you. Take note or have if you have questions, go ahead and drop them in the chat. We're so excited that today is our fall kids drive through party. This is from 4 to 6 p.m. Now all kids involved are invited to come out. There will be special booths with a gift for kids from their Sabbath school. There will also be the Faithful Families box pickup if you pre-registered for that. But there were a few extra made. So these are available on a first come, first serve basis. Then there's also books if those run out that are also available on a first come, first serve basis that provide these sacred spaces for families in our homes. This is all a drive through. So we ask that you do stay in the car as you're driving through from 4 to 6 p.m today. There's also a chance for you to pick up your adventure honors, your basketball pictures, your Sabbath school quarterlies. If you haven't already done that, we're going to have so many goodies in addition to real goodies and treats here. So come see Pastor Sam, see all of those that are involved in children's ministries. We would love to have you out today. You can even take a, a very special picture with your family at a distanced family photo booth. There's going to be so much going on. Mark your calendars for next Sabbath 
November 7 at 5 p.m. for our next installment of Race in the Church. This is a webinar online. Now, this particular conversation is about race, mental health, and the church by Dr. Nakisha Castillo and Dr. Vanessa Quintana. We're so grateful that they will be sharing at that time. So make sure that you log in and enjoy this very um, insightful and meaningful webinar together. We're so glad to be able to see you. Oh, hello, everyone. Our children's ministry does rock. We are so blessed with Pastor Sam. You're so right. We are grateful for her and for all that she's doing for our kids. Thank you for that. We'll be holding a holiday coat drive. This is our chance as a community to give back and to share from the abundance of what God has blessed us with. So starting right away, all sizes, children and adults, we're going to be sharing these coats with families in Mexico, as well as here in our local area in San Bernardino County. So we'll be sharing both at home and a little bit further from our home. So we're going to be starting to collect these right away and then all the way through December 5th. You can bring them by the church office and we'll have a collection right here so that we can get those to the, the people that need them the most. The collective will have in-person Sabbath school on November 14. Remember that is our very special weekend on Friday night, the 13th at seven o'clock. We're going to dedicate our amphitheater and on Sabbath, the 14th at 1.30, we'll be 11.30, we'll be worshiping together in person. The collective young adult Sabbath school will be meeting earlier that morning. But we have a re special request for you. Pastor BT has been working with our contractor out in uh, the area that is becoming our beautiful amphitheater. But we have a very urgent request for you to pray for cement. I know you've heard of praying for rain and you've heard of praying for all sorts of other things, but you probably have never prayed for cement. Would you join us in praying for cement? We desperately need it. There's a shortage right now in the area and our, our schedule will be pushed off unless we are able to secure cement. There's been other projects that have been canceled, uh, but we are praying um, or postponed rather. We are praying that cement will be provided for us to be able to gather together in the finished amphitheater space. So would you pray? Please uh, just, just even send up a prayer in the chat right now, but Mark, some write it down. Pray for cement uh, so that we can continue going forward. There are tours for TK through 12th grade at our amazing Loma Linda Academy on November 9, 11, and 12. So space is limited. Please reserve your time slot right away. You can come and meet the principals and you can tour the campus and you can see how what an amazing school Loma Linda Academy is. So make sure that you do this, uh, sign up for it right away because this will all be done in a socially distanced and safe way. We have our membership transfers, and I'm going to ask for your participation in the chat today. I'm going to read their names, but then if it is your desire to welcome these individuals into membership, you can go ahead and type in welcome into the chat so that we can do this live as we are welcoming them into membership. We will show you some pictures too. We have Terry Carrington. There she is with her girls. We're so glad to have her as a part of this church. We have Ron Gadralt, Ron and Julie. I love this wedding picture of the two of them. They're so beautiful. We're so grateful to welcome him into membership. And we also have Mike Miller. Mike Miller, we're so grateful to have you as a part of this church. So if it's your desire to welcome them, 
just put welcome in the chat and I'm going to wave on behalf of all of us and say we are so glad that you are a part of this church. Oh, good, good, good. Thank you so much for all of those of you who are saying welcome aboard. We, with heavy hearts, have a few uh, other announcements to share with you today. We're sad to announce the passing of David Dearden, Beverly Dearden's husband. We, uh, He said goodbye on Sunday, October 25th, peacefully. We're so grateful for the love that has surrounded Bev and her family. She wants to express her gratitude. It was really um, amazing how God worked in the midst of, of their loss to be able to give him a chance to be surrounded by his furry, furry doggy friends uh, at the last, their, their rescue dogs, and also to have his family there and to have them all close. Bev, our hearts are heavy for you, and we want you to know that we're praying for you in this loss of your dear David. We're also sad to announce the passing of John Tidwell on Tuesday, October 27. He was a longtime member here with his wife, Lynn, before they moved to Texas. And his daughter, Pam, and her husband, Greg Gibbs, are members here at Azure Hills Church. He's known for his great love and his performance of gospel music. He played, played guitar and the mandolin and sang with Don and Diane Hergert. He is just so loved by so many as a part of that are a part of this congregation and is considered a dear friend and family to so many, including our pastor Starla and her family, as well as many others. We mourn the passing of John and we are praying for his family during this time. We also have some joy from this week, church family. If you could help us to celebrate Jami, Pastor Jessie's niece turned 16. This was her sweet 16th birthday this week on the 27th. Jami, we're so glad you're a part of this Azure Hills community. We're so grateful to have you here and happy birthday from all of us. We are also celebrating, we celebrated this week, Deanna Glendmeyer's 80th birthday on the 29th. We are so grateful for her that God has been carrying her through so much as she's gone through cancer treatment this year. Her quote and her words to you on her 80th birthday is, if I can make it, so can you. So please remember that. If I can make it, so can you. God has carried her through so much. Today actually is Kevin Boggs' birthday. So shout out to Kevin. We wish you a very happy birthday. Today is also... David Ryan Castro Harris's birthday, and it's his 30th birthday. So this is a milestone birthday. He's the son of DP and BN Harris and was raised as a part of this church. I get the gift of following him on Instagram and seeing the great work that he's doing with restorative justice. And so David, Ryan, we're so happy for you. We wish you a very happy 30th birthday and we celebrate all God is doing in your life and as you continue to do amazing and important work in the world. Remember friends, you lose an hour tomorrow, daylight savings time ends, and so fall back, you lose an hour. So parents of young children, may God bless you and keep you through this as you make this adjustment in time. We are so grateful for each of you. Our hearts go out in love, even though we can't see you. We're so glad that we can worship God together right now in this place. May God bless you. Pastor, Pastor Sam.
can you do one about bunnies and love bunnies? Hey guys, it's Pastor Sam, and today for our nature adventure, we're here at the Bunnies and Rabbits Farm with our little friend, Timmy. All right, kids, so I am here with Renee of Rabbits and Bunny Farm. And Hi. she is here. Who is this little one that you have? This is Timmy. Timmy. Yeah, he's a, a Holland Lop. A Holland Lop. Mm -hmm. A mini Holland Lop. There's a couple uh, different Holland Lops, but he's more on the mini side. They have the, the originals are to get a lot bigger. And you were telling us a little bit about what they eat. Can you tell us more about that? Oh uh, yeah, they like to eat. Um, we like to feed them. Well, they eat 80% hay. 80% hay. And then I also incorporate uh, greens, herbs, and fruits and vegetables. Uh -huh. yeah. And you had shown us a little den where there were little baby bunnies. Why mm -hmm. is it that they, they like to have their, their little babies in a den? What are the dens for? Uh, the den is to, to harbor the babies okay. so they can be protected from the predators. Yeah, so once one becomes pregnant, you'll see her start digging a den first. And they're actually pretty fast at it. They can dig in a nice den within about an hour. Wow. And then you'll see her pulling up uh, little hay pieces, and uh, and then you'll see uh, she'll start to pull her fur out. She oh usually does that when she goes to the den. So she pulls her own fur out. Yeah, to, to make, make a mess, and they fluff yeah. it up like real fluffy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so tell me, is it true that their front teeth never stop growing? I've heard uh, that before. Yeah. Um, it will if they don't have a. If, that's why we make sure they have a lot of stuff to eat. Okay. You know, wood pieces. Uh, they actually this tree right here, the big tree is a mulberry okay. and they love that. It's nutritious and they eat the leaves. Sometimes I just cut the branches off and give it to them and they'll eat the branch and all the leaves. <laughs> so tell me why bunnies make good pets. They're very, um, very smart. Um, I know some people have gotten rabbits and they actually train them to use the cat litter. Really? Uh -huh. They can be litter trained? Yeah, no and they're pretty fast at it. Yeah, and they'll run wow. around the house. You can actually leave them and keep them in the house like a, you know, a dog or a cat and they'll use the litter and run around and Wow, uh -huh, yeah. I have no idea, so they're, they're smart little guys. They're really smart. Wow, I love learning about Timmy the bunny and his Holland Lop friends and all of the fluffy bunnies on the Rabbits and Bunnies farm. That was so much fun. And I think it was a great lesson because one of the things that I learned that I didn't know before is that when a mommy bunny is about to have her babies, she digs a den for them and then she pulls out her own fur to line the den so that those babies can have a safe and warm and comfortable place to be born. That reminds me so much of God's love for us. God gave everything for us. He didn't hold anything back because of his love for us. And as we head into fall and into Thanksgiving season, it's such a great reminder that just like God gave to us, so we also can be generous. We can give because we trust in God to give to us and to provide for us whatever it is that we need. In Luke 6:38, it says, give and it will be given to you. 
A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. This verse reminds me that even though sometimes it can be hard to give, it's so important to give. Because when you and I give, we participate in who God is. And we can do it even if it's hard, because God promises that he will always take care of us. The same God that gave us everything will never let us down. So today, let's ask God what we can give. Maybe it is our offerings, but maybe it's our time, or maybe it's something else that somebody needs. We can know and trust that just like God gave everything for us, He will always provide for us so we can give with joy and with gratitude, knowing that when we do that, we are becoming more like God. Good morning. Good morning, Azure Hills family. I heard a term last week, a couple of weeks ago for the first time, COVID fatigue. And I thought to myself, I think I've got that one. I think I've got it. I've often said that I'm very grateful I'm not sick with COVID, but I am certainly sick of COVID and everything it represents. And I think I'm not the only one. And yet, notwithstanding, I am blessed. I am highly blessed and favored in spite of it. And I think you are too. The offering time is a time really that is designed to acknowledge God's favor, his blessings upon our life. It's a time where we return our tithes and our offerings, but more importantly, it is a time to give an offering of gratitude and of praise to the Lord for his multiple blessings. Even in the midst of all this craziness we have been experiencing. It's been over six months since we've meet, met together in a weekly manner. So uh, we're doing that just now and um, I want to turn my heart and your heart toward the Lord to acknowledge his goodness, notwithstanding all the inconveniences. I'm reminded of that song, praise to the Lord, praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. Oh, my soul, praise him, for he is our health and salvation. All you who hear, now to his temple draw near. Sing now in glad adoration. So we sing and we give in glad adoration. The way I give is I go to the webpage and press give there. And there's a number of items where you can press and return. Thank you for blessing the church with your offerings. They are still needed. Thanks, most importantly, to the Lord for his continued favor. Please join me now as we pray. Heavenly Father, we are grateful for your continual sustenance in these unusual times, and we offer to you our praise and thanksgiving for our continued health and strength, 
for the blessings that are ours in Christ Jesus the Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. morning would you pray with me as we speak to our father our father God we come to you this morning first with our adoration of all you've done for us of all you are doing for us now and what you'll do for us in the future you are all-knowing you are all loving and we're grateful for that we confess that we have not allowed ourselves to see you as clearly as we should spending time with you in, in speech and prayer, and reading the word. We ask that your spirit might enliven our, our spirits, that we'd want to communicate with you better and know you better. We thank you that you never give up. You never say that we are not worth it. We're highly valued by you, our Father God, and you gave your only son as proof of that. Thank you. Thank you so much. And this morning we come to you during this season of COVID with many requests, some on our hearts, some on our lips. And we wish that you would know our hearts and you would hear our words. We ask that we would have a steady pace in our spiritual growth. We ask that your spirit would be alive and well in our lives, in our families, in our communities, in our church, and in the world. We love you, Father God, and we ask that we'd have a sense of that loving just today as we join together during worship service. We thank you and love you in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
Hello again, friends. It is good to read all your comments and to get to hear what's been meaningful this week, to read your praises and your laments. I know for many, uh, unity and strength for our country is on your hearts as we go into this next week, as we continue to pray for God's leadership in our nation. Today is a holiday. It's Reformation Day. October 31. And so our Stories That Shape a series matches with that holiday, Reformation Day. But before we go into where we're looking at today, which I'm so excited about, could you just take a moment and share what's your favorite holiday all throughout the year? What's your favorite holiday and why? What's your favorite holiday and why? Just write that in the chat for a moment. I know someone's going to put Reformation Day, aren't you? Yeah, you know, I have a, a great friends that I've been friends with for a while that are just super gifted and they sewed costumes for their whole family in period costumes for Reformation Day and all their kids. It looks amazing, um, but that might not be yours. But what is yours? What is your favorite holiday? Just take a moment to be able to share that with us. It is on this day. Oh, good. Thanksgiving. Sharon, good. Thanksgiving is your favorite. Oh, Danette, that's your favorite too. And Anna, you know, that's one of mine, my, my close to my top one too. Oh, wow. All of you that responded first, Thanksgiving, 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 Thanksgiving. Wow. I love this, especially this year. We need thanks and we need gratitude more than ever, don't we? Oh, there our first Christmas. There we go. Josiah says Christmas. Alex says Christmas. Ezra says Christmas. I expect that there might be quite a number of kids that say Christmas. Um, definitely. Um, oh, that's Xandra says Christmas. Xandra says Christmas. Oh, yes. The smells and the sounds of family. Absolutely. Maria Souls reminded of her mom by Thanksgiving. Yes. Oh, I love the tradition surrounding food and family coming together. Thanksgiving and New Year, Luis. Elder Luis, I'm glad to hear that. I, I do love New Year's too. Kids and mom say Christmas. Oh, all both kids and mom say Christmas. Definitely. Christmas is wonderful. Eden adds Christmas too. We've got a lot. Bella and Matthew, absolutely so many. Our favorite holiday is Christmas absolutely so beautiful to get to remember that even in this time we look forward to these times of gathering together of coming together surrounding each other in in the holiday season you might be still joining by facetime or distance with some family members but there is still the warmth of family coming together new year i love new year's rocky that is so so awesome the new beginnings everything new birth, new beginnings, starting over. I love it. Definitely. Uh, Pi day, <laughs> may the fourth be with you. Yes, you're trying to put up the odd ones there. <laughs> I love it. 
Would you just pause and pray with me as we enter into our time together in the Word of God? Lord, we thank you. We thank you for holidays and we thank you for celebration, celebration that continues. We're so grateful for this chance now to be able to look at perhaps a holiday that normally we don't get to remember and celebrate for the fact that it is Reformation Day. But as we look at this story, the story of Martin Luther and the story that shapes our lives, would you open our hearts and minds to your Holy Spirit? And I pray that you would connect it with our own lives today. I pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. So it is on this day, October 31, 1517, that Martin Luther is said by Philip Melanchthon to have nailed the theses to the All Saints Church in Wittenberg. If you've been following our Stories That Shape Us devotional series, you would have heard Dr. Katie Coe, our elder, share that perhaps he simply sent this to the archbishop instead. But whether it was nailed or mailed, what happened, most agree, was that the Reformation was launched on this day. Whether we uh, know, we don't know if he posted it up or not, but we do know that there was a habit of doing that. This habit of advertising a disputation by posting it on the door of the All Saints Church is something we know happened. So perhaps that's what Luther did that day. But how did we get to that point? How is it that Luther was even there posting this, disagreeing with the church in this way? What was he standing up against? Well, you see, what happened is a Dominican friar was sent from Germany to raise the money for St. Peter's Basilica in Rome through the sale of indulgences. And on that day, as Luther shared his letter protesting, uh, the chief protest was the sale of indulgences, among other things. His letter was actually called Disputation of Martin Luther on the Power and Efficacy of Indulgences. You can say why, see why it became known as the 95 Theses instead. Luther objected to the heart of the saying, which is attributed to that Dominican friar who came, Johann Tetzel, as as soon as the coin in the coffer rings, the soul from purgatory springs. He disagreed with this very thing, this core of people's money being able to release them from purgatory where God was tormenting them. He believed deep in his being that forgiveness was a gift, that the grace of God saves us initially, but also enables us to live a life in Christ. But he didn't start there. He had quite the journey and God was leading him every step of the way, but it was a constant unfolding in his life. And his story is a story that shapes our story even today. The 95 Theses, though, at that moment on this day, now over 500 years ago, was quickly translated. And within two weeks, it went from Latin to German. And within two weeks, it was spread all across Germany. And it is said that within two months, it was spread and read all across Europe, something that would have been unimaginable without the printing press that was developed right before. As the Christianity Today article states, in the 16th century, people were divided over Martin Luther. One Catholic theologian thought that Martin Luther was, and I quote, a demon in the appearance of a man. Another first questions Luther, questioned Luther's theology, but then 
he later declared, he alone is right. Now, at this point, over 500 years later, most agree that this was a needed shift, a reorientation for the church on the grace of God, and that Martin Luther changed the course of Western religious history for the better. So what was his story? Well, Martin Luther had a dramatic Damascus Road experience at the age of 21. In the thunder and in the lightning, he prayed, he cried out, and he made a vow, and he entered into the monastic religious life. As one author points out, Luther was an extraordinarily successful monk. He plunged himself into prayer and into fasting and aesthetic practices, going to sleep, going without sleep, enduring bone-chilling cold, even flagellating himself. As he later commented, and these are in Luther's own words, if anyone could have earned heaven by the life of a monk, it was I. It reminds me of the words of Paul in Philippians. Paul in Philippians, when he says these words, he says that he himself was from the Hebrew people, the tribe of Benjamin, circumcised on the eighth day in regards to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church. If anyone could be saved, Paul says, by doing it right, by being in the right place at the right time, and even by my own behavior, it's me. But he says, I now consider it all a loss because of the all-surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Paul had this experience. And Luther did too, because though he kept reaching out after the love of God, Luther could find no comfort. He wasn't able to ever reach this love of God. And you know what? He was terrified of the wrath of God. He had this experience with being fearful of God. But Luther kept reading. He kept drawing close to God. And this text that is our grounding text for today became crucial in his life. It's called the Reformation text many times. It's in Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, 16 and 17. You can turn on your device and read it there. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, the righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. This changed his life. These words changed his life. Paul starts by saying he's not ashamed of the gospel. There are so many reasons that Paul could have been ashamed of the gospel. This is in a shame honor society. And here it was, the person that he is following, this Jesus, was one who died naked on an instrument of torture. There's so much reason for shame. But Paul says, I'm not ashamed that love won by the ultimate sacrifice. I'm not ashamed that this love wouldn't let us go, that this love continued to pursue us and persist after us. And the main reason he's not ashamed of this gospel is that he says it is the power of God to salvation. Take note, he doesn't tell us that this gospel tells us about the power of God or introduces us to the power of God. He says this gospel, this sacrificial love of Jesus, this love that was not willing to let us go, but this love who makes us whole and complete, something we weren't able to do on our own. 
This love of God is the power of God in our lives to bring salvation. This justification, this making us right with God, making us who were dead alive again, infusing us with the Holy Spirit so that we can live a different kind of life. This is the power of God that changes our lives. This Jesus, this good news that comes in Jesus is the very power of God to bring the salvation in us, not our own works, not anything that we do or anything that we suffer, but Jesus, this gift. You see, Luther, he studied for his doctorate. He became a professor. He, he wrote books. Uh, one of them right here, I was going to show you, that Dr. Mark uh, gifted me the commentary on Galatians right here in our own church when he handed it to me and gave it to me a couple years ago. He wrote, he, he spent himself in these things, but it was something that happened in his heart that had the most powerful impact and the reason that we are still telling his story today. In his own words, he said, at last, meditating day and night, by the mercy of God, I begin to understand that the righteousness of God is that th through which the righteousness, the righteous live by faith, by a gift of God, namely faith. Here I felt as if I were entirely born again and had entered paradise itself through the gates that had been flung wide open. This righteousness from God is that the righteous lived by a gift of God, that is faith. It's something that comes as a gift to us, not something that we earn. Everything changed for Martin Luther. The church was now a living community that was being given this gift of faith. Salvation didn't come by the sacraments or by what he was doing to himself, but came as a gift from faith. Humans don't earn grace. They simply respond to it because God gave it to them. Faith didn't come from what we know, but from trusting the promises of God through the gift of Jesus Christ. Everything changed for him. Justification is God's response to a problem that we are estranged from God. And we do not feel the love in our hearts for God or the love that we need in order to love one another. Just as Luther felt and experienced, maybe you can relate to experiencing this too. Do you have the love that you need? Do I have the love that I need on my own? No, we are estranged from God. But here's the thing, Martin Luther wasn't saved because he eventually got it all together. We are never worthy on our own. If you read about his life and you read his own words as well as the experiences that others describe of him, you'll find imperfections, you'll find flaws, you'll find humanity. That's the point, isn't it though? This is why his story shapes us, that you and I are not saved because of something that we attain. We're not saved in spite of these things, but we're saved in and because of our own powerlessness to do it on our own. It's a gift from God in Jesus Christ. When I see Luther's faults right alongside the incredible way that God uses him, used him in our lives, it brings me courage. I can find courage. You can find courage. This pandemic has been hard in the midst of this. I'm not even sure if I have the right words to describe this here. But with all of the lack of control, with all the powerlessness to make sure that we're doing the right thing at the right time or how we can encourage and love 
and show love at this time and in this season. It's good to stop and remember the sovereignty of God, that what has been done in Jesus is what holds us all, that what Martin Luther found as a bedrock for his faith continues to be the bedrock for my faith and for yours. Luther had so many other experiences, and he was greatly used by God. He married Katharina von Bora, a runaway nun. Just read that story of how she hid in a fish barrel and how she came and escaped from the convent and then how they ended up falling in love and getting married. But it all started with this understanding. All of his later journeys and all of the things that he shared with us started with this truth, that God is willing to accept us as God's own simply through faith, faith that is gifted to us. All we have to do is turn because God accepts us as his own. This is a truth that we still need this today. You need this and I need this for I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Each and every one of us, even if you're first believing right now, just as you have said in your heart, I need Jesus, or whether you've read this so many times, we can turn to Jesus. All we have to do is say yes. If, if you are turning to Jesus right now, reach out to us. We would love to hear from you. We'd love to come alongside you in this journey of a lifetime, this journey that lasts our whole life through. But for in this gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, from the first moment you believe until we see Jesus or take our last breath, it is a righteousness from God from first to last. The righteous will live by faith. John 15 verse 5 says it this way, I am the vine and you are the branches if I remain in you and you remain in me, you will bear fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Has Luther remained in Jesus? As Luther continued to abide, there was good fruit that came into his life. There's a story that I want to highlight how Luther's understanding of God's grace shaped the way that he lived his life and showed up in grace with other people. Glenn Shrivener describes this in his recent, recent article and shares that in the, from the 14th century onward, the Black Death haunted Europe. It was just in just five years, it wiped out half of the population, particularly urban areas being affected the worst. Outbreaks continued in the following centuries, including a plague that struck Wittenberg in 1527, 10 years after this 95 theses was shared. Many fled, yet Luther and his then pregnant wife, Katharina, chose to remain and to care for the sick. And I quote them here. They cited Matthew 25, 41 to 46 as their guide. They said, we must respect the word of Christ. I was sick and you did not visit me. According to this passage, we are bound to each other in such a way that no one may forsake the other in his distress, but is obligated to assist and help him as he himself would like to be helped. Luther spoke of the circumstances where they could have fled, where others fled, but he was ever conscious of the propensity that we have towards self-righteousness. So he said, Christians should not judge each other if we make different decisions on this. But in his writing, he remarked, we are here alone with the deacons, but Christ is present too. 
that we may not be alone. And he will triumph in us over that serpent, murderer, and author of sin, however much he may bruise Christ's heel. Pray for us and farewell. This is a letter that Luther wrote in 1527. Notice how both Satan and Christ loom large in this thinking of Luther. Satan is a murderer from the beginning. Here he's referencing Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, this first prophecy about Jesus, that Jesus Christ would crush the serpent's head, even though there was a bruising of the heel that took place. Satan stands behind this plague, but don't worry, there will be victory. Christ is far stronger for Luther. Christ looms large, that he is there in providing care. He's there in the sick, according to Matthew 25, and he's there in the victory that will be for the church as Christ overcomes. No matter how much we may be bruised, he says, Christ will be victorious in crushing the head of the serpent. Luther and Katharina survived, and the way of Jesus was vindicated he said, in the way that they had these small deliverances in the recovery from the plague. Luther grasped hold of the opportunities that God put before him. The grace of Jesus Christ opened up his heart, and this spread to others in his ministry and his service. Now, here's the thing. Nailing the 95 theses on the door of the church was a moment, an act of grace in his life. Yet knocking on the doors of the sick Serving the people was also an act of grace in the life of Luther. Significant and inextricably connected, this act of grace in Luther's life through his service is just as important as his act of grace in the way that he led the church forward in Reformation. Martin Luther was going to be a lawyer, yet for him, the law didn't bring enough certainty. Then he was a monk but that wasn't enough certainty for him. Then he started to bring about change through this understanding of grace. But we notice that even the Reformation doesn't stop there. You see, the Reformation had to spill out into the streets in service and love to the people. The Reformation wasn't just an intellectual one. In 1517, when he was sharing his theses, and in all of those years, as God continued to transform his heart and mind to be open to the grace of God, God continued after that point. And I believe the grace of God was evidenced in the way that he served and the way that he loved in the midst of a very difficult time. It's been said that in most libraries, books about Martin Luther occupy more shelves than most others except for Jesus Christ. Though it's difficult to verify, it's easy to understand why he had such influence. It was a critical point. For the church. We as Seventh-day Adventists believe that we continue the reformation that was started then, that we get to live as those who are declaring the grace and the love of Jesus Christ, that we are justified by Christ's righteousness alone. It is a free gift given to us by God. This is a grace of God that we are still internalizing today. We keep trying to bridge between this grace of God that is poured into our lives and how this grace gets extended from our lives to the lives of those around us. You know, just this month in a wealthy Ohio city called Bay Village, which is just outside Cleveland, the St. Barnabas Episcopal Church had a statue installed. It's Jesus wrapped in a blanket asleep on a park bench. 
We're going to show you now just for a moment. This is the statue that they installed. According to the church, they said this is to remind us that even though homelessness is not a significant problem in our immediate neighborhood, we don't have to drive too far to see tremendous need. Perhaps this statue will inspire those who see it to take action and help. Now, here's the thing. Within 20 minutes of the statue's installation, someone called the police thinking that this was someone who was homeless who needed to be moved. This is apparently a common issue with various homeless Jesus statue installations all throughout the U.S. and Canada, the church said in an interview, that this statue is there on loan through the end of December, but it continues to get calls from people who are worried that this is indeed someone who is homeless who is there on that bench. Jesus identifying so closely as Matthew 25, that very same text that Luther and Katharina used as the momentum in their lives to continue and to serve and to pour out grace on those around them, is what we continue to strive. This bridge between understanding the grace of God in our own hearts and lives and understanding how we extend the grace of God to those around us. In what ways is God calling you to embrace grace? We continue to struggle with what this grace looks like in action. How are you firmly standing in grace? Standing in the righteousness of Jesus and then allowing that to spill out and spill over into the lives of those around you. What moves me about stories like Luther and Katharina is that I see both risk and resiliency. They saw the current crisis as an opportunity and they grasped hold of what God had put before them. Their actions show the fruit of the grace of God in their lives. One of my favorite quotes from Ellen White, I have a, a number, a handful of them, but this is one. It's beautiful. She says, enfeebled and defective as it may appear, and sure does, this church, this broader church sure does feel enfeebled and effective many times, doesn't it? The church is the one object upon which God bestows, in a special sense, his supreme regard. It is the theater of his grace in which he delights to reveal his power to transform hearts. I love this quote. You see, the church is to act as a theater of grace. Whether we can gather all together or whether we are the church scattered, we are the theater of God's grace upon which God wants to pour out his grace and pour through us to others his grace. What a beautiful picture that is. Grace at work in the way we love and serve. Grace freely received and grace freely given. How does this grace end up playing out in my life and in yours? I'm inspired by the story of Luther and Katharina that it came from head to heart to lived out in actions. May it be so with me and may it be so with you. In benediction, let us pray. Our God, we thank you so much for this reformation Today we celebrate the Reformation Day because it says to us that the Holy Spirit was at work, moving and working in the life of Martin Luther, and the same Holy Spirit is moving and working in our lives today. 
We open up our hearts. We open up our minds. God, may we go deeper in our understanding of Christ, our righteousness, this grace, this gift of God. And God, I pray that you would not leave us the same, that as we experience the sweetness of your presence, that we would not be able to hold back the grace and the love poured out in acts of service and grace to others. I pray that you'd strengthen my brothers and sisters wherever they're joining in from right now. I pray especially for those who have just said yes to your grace and yes to your love, believing that it's not themselves that can earn this grace, but receiving it as what it is, a gift from you. Please surround them and anoint them and touch them right now, I pray. And I pray for a renewal in each of our hearts. God, may we get to the other side. I agree with Tom's words. We are sick of COVID-19, but God, may we get to the other side in ways that we are changed, though we might not even be able to name it. But just as we're opening our hearts to you, let us be changed on the other side of this, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. May God bless you. May God keep you, dear friends. Have a wonderful week. And I hope many of our young families, I hope that we see you this afternoon from four to six o'clock for the kids drive through fall festival. God bless you all.